Welcome to another edition of the Union Soccer Podcast. You can find us wherever you find your podcast, whether that be the Apple Podcast Store, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, you can find the Union Soccer Podcast. Also, make sure to subscribe to the Union Soccer Blog.substack. Dot com. My name is John Jansen, one of the hosts of this fine program. You can follow me at jjansen34 and the star of the show, Joe Tanzi at jtanzi90 on Twitter. A draw against Chicago on the road? Okay. <laughs> is it good? Fine. Road point, you know, thing? Yeah. Um. I mean, there's two ways you can look at it, right? There's the one way which I kind of chose to with uh, a post on Saturday night where they finally showed up as themselves. You know, they're, yeah. the and I, I know it's hard to be like they're not they're not going to recreate 2022, but you know what the expectations are with the Philadelphia Union and that version of it after. After the second goal, really kind of kickstarted things. Um, Daniel Gosdeg was really good. Quinn Sullivan he brought was a spark up. <laughs> Daniel Gosdeg was great. Right, but he's but he's only scored from the penalty spot, so he hasn't been good this year. Um, and uh, Quinn Sullivan was was a spark as well. So positives like that. That's what you want out of these games. I mean, yeah, they slept off for the first half, and the own goal was a disaster. Um, and they brought and they brought that upon they brought that upon themselves. I mean, I, it's funny because I ended up doing the the screenshot like I don't know thirty seconds before the penalty was awarded, but like it, it's I did a breakdown this on, on the Substack, so you know you can kind of read into detail there. But there's five guys on the right side of the box, and yes, you know I know Jim Curtin can kind of chalk that up as well, that's that's a really odd play, and you know it's it's very hard for that to happen. But it's the position they put themselves in to get to that point um, that made it frustrating because five guys should not be in that that tight of space. Yeah. And there's only five one. guys is a terrible burger as well. Right, uh, overpriced. Yes, way overpriced. I learned that very See? well from the uh, five guys outside Red Bull Arena. Um, but you know, it's just it's one of those things where, like, you could, and and there are people who have, you could look at that game and say it's a two-two draw against the Chicago Fire. That's not good enough. It's still a disappointing result. Or you can flip it and say, well, we're starting to see more signs of life from the actual Philadelphia Union we've come to know and love over these last three years. And that second half comeback was that, and that was the sign of of actual fight in this team, whereas in previous games it wasn't there. So I think that that's kind of how you look. You can choose your own adventure on how you want to break down that game, but to me, the more important part was the fight back. Yeah, the mistakes have happened, but like the actual ability to fight back is something we haven't seen yet this season. And it was really nice to see them them wake up and and get a point and be galvanized by yeah. um, a bad concession. 
I think the thing is, too, it's coming off of that Champions League game where they were doing that as well. Like, they kept fighting in that one, kept finding ways to scrap goals, and uh, they come away from that Champions League game. And I know you probably want some more momentum, right? Turn that into a win, and I know they were trying that. But, you know, I think you're right. There are things that are starting to click better uh, offensively. Obviously, they're starting to click better. And the defensive mistakes, you know, I don't know what to attribute that to. You know, I don't know if that's the one that suffers most from the schedule that they've had. And they are getting some injuries there in the back line as well, which doesn't help. Um, so I, I just, I think it is encouraging to see them play those two games back to back. And knowing that once they do shore things up, because it's April, and once they get to June, and they'll probably have, you know, their footing under them and, really, I think, shored up and ready to go for the, the league's part of the season, uh, I think we'll see a, a much better version of the Union and the version that we've, I, I, as you just said, come to know from last year. I think you're right. We are getting much closer to that, and it feels like we're getting closer to it more than they've ever had so far this season. Yeah, and I think the defensive stuff, and you know, we'll get into more questions. I think we'll kind of just mix in the questions we got because they're kind of all the pertinent topics here, but Defensively is weird because Kai Wagner's been been out, Damian Lowe's been out, uh, uh, Bizo's dealing with some some hamstring soreness now. So um, Nathan Harrell's played essentially three different positions if you count the you know him being the third center back, yeah, as, as the third there. Um, Matt Real's coming in and done a, a pretty decent job. Um, Elliot, I think, has room to to grow into his form. And Glesnes has been phenomenal. And then look, the the goalkeeper thing, you know, I know we touched on this a, a few weeks ago. The goalkeeper thing wasn't exactly a Joe Bendick is a bad goalkeeper problem. It was more of these guys are so used to playing with Andre Blake in the back. And the communication between those guys uh suffered from that. That that's what that was. It was more than anything, uh, the the communication part of it, and and that just comes with playing you know uh, over a hundred games together. So that's that's what I point out as as that issue. Now this, you know, if you want to pinpoint, you know, certain plays, the the, the first Chicago goal is just a guy gets round Nathan Harrell and he he knocks it in. The second goal, the own goal, it, it looks really bad, but it's all preventable stuff. You know, it's it still goes back to like the theme of all these defensive errors. Is there preventable mistakes? It's not like they're bad defenders and they're being caught out um on a consistent basis. Um and there was a line that, that Jim Curtin said, I think it was before the Chicago game in his press conference. And we asked about Brendan Craig because, like, you know, where is he in the rotation? Is he close? Uh, because Damian Lowe's been hurt. And, and the kind of sidebar that Jim Curtin said that he considered starting Craig in Cincinnati on short notice, um, but decided for Harriel instead just because of of the circumstances. Um, so, yes, he is, I guess, kind of close to playing a few games this year. I would, I would assume he's got to play. A few games, yeah. Right when he's when he's not with the U twenties, just for depth and rotation purposes. Um, But yeah, it was just it's very to me. It's all very like position based. Like I don't see much of a 
you know, these guys are, say, bad defenders. It's more of, well, they're just being caught out in the wrong spot. And the line that, that Jim said was uh, something along the lines of, like, you can be a really good center back for 80 to 85 minutes, but if you make that one mistake, that's what you're remembered for. Um, and he attributed that and kind of the road environment in Cincinnati to why he started Harriel in, in that spot instead of Craig. And yeah, it's, it's a very true statement. Like th- these guys have, have had really good stretches of play. Take the, the clean sheets against Kansas city, uh, the majority of let's say 75 minutes of the Orlando game and the Atlas home game but it's the little errors that we all remember. And because there were pretty much no errors made last year in, in the back, we, we've come so accustomed to this high standard. So I think that's that's where the the issues come is earlier. It was the communication issues um, without Blake and goal. I think this one's more of, yeah, Kai Wagner's injured but it's also more of just not making the the step to a defender when you're supposed to or holding position um, or something along those lines where like, like the take, for example, the second Atlas goal, Jack Elliott just kind of gets stuck in, in no man's land and the ball gets just curled into the, um, or it gets passed in t- towards the back of the net. Like that is, it's those little kind of defensive in- intricacies that, that we don't notice when these guys are playing so well, right? Because we're just like, oh, clean sheet. And like, and it, some of these things, it, it does, it is eye test worthy. Like, because defensively, you know, some of these statistics are, are still high and, and, and all that jazz. But like, when you watch them, like when you watch Jacob Glessness um, defend, it's just so easy when you watch Andre Blake like there's a reason why Andre Blake has made fewer spectacular saves like there are games where he's going to have to but Andre Blake makes fewer spectacular saves because he's already in he's in position to be in position and he's he's making easy catches whereas you know another goalkeeper in MLS who's maybe say like mid-tier and then just speaking across the league, maybe that save becomes a little more difficult because he's he's one step too far to the right or too far to the left. Like um, what Damian Lowe did in the CONCACAF Champions League first game like against Quinones from Atlas. You watch that and you're like, wow, that was a really good defense. But you don't need stats. You know, this goes back to our eye test versus stats. Like what do stats actually mean and tell us? And I think that's what it comes down to the defense is we've we've spent so long and, and you know over a year going watching these guys play phenomenal games in the back, game after game after game, where that's our standard now. Whereas 12 months ago, it wasn't as high. So I think that's where it is. It's like the little fixable mistakes, and the problem is they're becoming too many of them. Right. If there's if, say, the Montreal game, you know, that's just a a crazy um, 
situation where you're you're down a man and it becomes just a hectic situation after the VAR review. You can excuse those things if you come back and and play better defensively over the, you know was it five or six games after that. So I think that's where it's it's not clicking. It's not like Jack Elliott and Jake Glesses all of a sudden a bad partnership or the fullbacks are bad. Um, yes, there's a little bit of a gap in quality between Kai Wagner and, and Nate Harrell and, and Pat Real, but to me, it, it's more of the little errors. And when the little errors add up and they turn into goals, that's when the frustration comes out. And that's when you know, Jim Curtin noted today in his press conference, you know, uh, the inconsistencies and they got to stop being so inconsistent. So I think that's kind of what the sum up the defensive issues in a nutshell. That's kind of where I, I pinpointed that. I don't think it's, it is cause for concern because it's happened so many times, but then you watch the, you know, the Kansas city game, you watch the the first like against Atlas and you're like, Oh, well, it's still these guys, right. These guys still happen. So yeah, it's, it's that fine balance of, Yes, they're still good defenders, but also they've made some mistakes. They have. And you uh, were talking about the eye test. I want to talk about them overall because they've obviously been a little sloppy. Uh, It's been really hard to come by goals for them uh, at times. I feel like offensively, you know, obviously they put two on the board um, in Champions League and then put two on the board here in Chicago. So they're getting the results. But I think just overall, they seem like they're passing the eye test much better than they were previously. It's also a really low bar to it. Well, it was to compare them to. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you can see it. Like there is, you want to call it light at the end of the tunnel. It's, yeah, it feels like there are sparks, like sparks are there and it just hasn't caught flame yet, but there are sparks and I think it eventually will. Right. And you can pinpoint to, to sort certain moments where you're like, Okay, you know, this is you know, like the coming back from down two goals on the road. I don't care if it's, you know, take take your opinion of the opponent out of out of the perspective for a second. Just going on the road in MLS, I mean, how many times have we been told it's it's difficult? So being able to go on the road in MLS and rally from a two-goal deficit, score two goals, and bring something positive away from that game is important because now you look at this stretch and it's remarkably busy. We're talking about so many, so many damn games starting on Saturday against Toronto, but it's something to build on. You can, you can walk into training on on Monday or Tuesday and say, all right, we had a rough patch, but look, this is for lack of a better term, a turning point in the season. This, this can be fixed. And uh, I've kind of hesitated to to say this because I think it, it's pretty obvious, and I know what the, the the standard is. But it could be a lot worse. Yes, it could. Like take just take a step back. Forget the you know. Well, they are it's, they are like progressing through their goals, though. I know probably another one would be be at the top of the table right now and compete for a supporter shield uh, and they could still, obviously we know the unit from last year. They can get in that, but I mean, they progressed in champions league. Like they are, they are progressing forward. It's just that it's not all coming together at once where it just like, looks like a fully, um, fully put together product already. It's just not there yet, but they still are progressing through their goals. 
currently, I think. Right. And also, like, nobody wants to be a, a complete project right now. No, not at all. But like, again, this is, this is kind of what we're balancing expectations here because, yes, there there is going to reach a point where you do need to pick up results in the league and it's going to become more urgent. I think both this is the ninth game in league play. And Toronto is a very beatable opponent. Let's be honest with ourselves. Like, yes, they have Bernardeschi and yes, they have Insigne, but their defense hasn't been great over the years. Um, and this is a, a center back pairing in Glesnes and Elliott that have done pretty well against some some notable strikers throughout the years. Like there is a game plan in place from the Union uh, to slow down the top attacking players and. Jose Martinez is going to be massive this weekend. So I think that that what you're looking at here is you want this not to be a flash in the pan result. You want this to now earn a a consecutive points because they haven't earned consecutive points in league play yet this season. That's what you want. You want to build on that. Okay. You know, we talked about this before the Atlas series as well. Build on this because this is your last league game for two weeks. You have off next week, a very conveniently timed off break that, that <laughs> you know, I know the the quote about Ernst Tanner um, scheduling that um, when people were like, oh, he's playing, he's playing 40 chess. Like, I don't know if it's, if it's that extreme, but I think it is worth noting, like, yes, this is what said, so like the, the revs do this, to avoid conflicts with the Patriots, the Yankees, and NYCFC, and Charlotte. Like, there is a science behind it, but then there isn't, you know, because some of these teams are actually, like, need days off. Um, so, yeah, it's just very conveniently timed um, that, that next week is off. But, yeah, you, you build this momentum now because you're going to need it against LAFC. Absolutely no doubt. I mean, if you, if you watch them play even for – one game, say if you watch Del Trafico on Sunday, because I know the the big talking point across the league right now is um, not being able to watch all these teams because um, it's it's just impossible. And um, Pete Andrews from Philly Soccer Page actually had a really good write up. I read it for the press conference uh, today about you know the the situation that is that Apple's facing right now. I think we all. Kind of agree with it so it's very hard to watch but if you watched lafc for heck even a half you know what they bring to the table you know it's gonna be very very difficult um battle over two legs next week so um still momentum no momentum get a win and that's kind of the goal here and if you do that and you have a very winnable game against the new york red bulls in two weeks as well after champions league um if you build on these things, like eventually the concerns will start to go away. But that's the problem we're running into right now is the results haven't stacked up to what they should be. And that, that's that's what it comes down to. I get it. You know, we were we spent the a whole podcast two weeks ago talking about frustration. So I get it, but I think that's kind of where, where we're at. It's still eight games in, and and look, I look across the league, and there are so many, so many worse situations going on. Oh, which is absolutely. why. So, so like I've I've done this exercise each week where I'll read the athletics um weekly MLS write up 
I'll read Matt Doyle's column and I'll, you know, I'll go through the kind of like the national, like, is this something like on a local level that we're, we're so concerned with, or is this something on a national level that everyone's paying attention to? And there haven't been like a ton of scathing remarks about the union's play. Because I think from the national perspective, they're being excused because it's it's CONCACAF Champions League, right? Uh, and that's that's the goal. And getting an MLS team uh, to the final, whether it be LAFC, whether it be the Philadelphia Union, whatever it may be, like that is the focus. And I think if some people, you know, from a national perspective, if you were to ask them, what do you think of the Philadelphia Union right now? Um, I think the response would be, well, they're going through Champions League. And yeah, you can I, think, excuse... I think that's that seems yeah. to be my default response. Right. Because because like I didn't want to mention do... that on this podcast because I feel like no. I've done that too many times the past few weeks. Right. Yes, because I feel like that's from, my default answer to everything. From a local perspective, we analyze this team in and out every game, and it's different. But macro, we have a, a twenty-nine teams now. However, how many teams we got in MLS? Um but like, if you look at the Eastern Conference right now, we'll, we'll blow it up for a second. Yes, the Rebs are playing very well, and look, they're going to be a threat. Bruce Arena knows how to win in Major League Soccer. But are they a runaway favorite in the Eastern Conference? No. FC Cincinnati just got their doors blown off by St. Louis, who by each week, maybe they're even more real than we think. Um, Atlanta's in third place, but they've given up 12 goals. And Brad Guzan's hurt again. Um, Tiago Amada's been dinged up. So that's, you know, it's kind of an imperfect there. Columbus, I think, is the one you have to worry about because uh, they're scoring goals and they're scoring it without Cucho. Aiden Morris played phenomenal. Zilla Rayan's been really good. Um, NYCFC, I still think we don't have a full judgment on on what they are. Nashville, we know we're gonna we know they're gonna defend like hell. They have the best um goals against record, but can they score with you? We'll see. Orlando, look, it's kind of the same thing as Nashville right now, where they've only given up seven goals, but they've only scored seven. Um and then we just saw Chicago and we'll see Toronto this week. Like none of these teams are the runaway number one seed. Like it's not like St. Louis or LA in the West where, or even Seattle, where these teams feel like, Oh, like they might not be catchable. And we're talking about what, you know, eight games into the season. So like, I think the, and if you take the East, for example, like the union technically gained ground on some of these teams over the weekend, the game ground Cincinnati, they gained ground on, or they maintained level with New England, but New England and Columbus drew. Nashville lost, so I don't know. I, I, there are bigger dumpster fires out there in MLS. I'm not saying this to say the union are absolved from all blame, but like it could be like so much worse. Like look at the situation with with Red Bulls right now. That's a, a disaster, um, and that suspension should have been way longer than six games if you're going to be a zero tolerance league. Um, uh, look at at Kansas City who a lot of people have been dead wrong about. They've just not been good. And I know that makes the, the result against the Union look not so great, but they don't have a win. The Galaxy, I mean, 
Yikes. <laughs> is kind of all you have to say about them. And then like Austin's in kind of, uh, you know, not in the, the public eye. They crashed out in Champions League in the round of 16 because they didn't take the first leg seriously. They only have two wins from seven games. Like, these are good problems to have with the Philadelphia Union. Like, they're turning a corner. It's eight games in. And, heck, by the by the time June or July rolls around, we could be talking about a team that, that actually looks like they're in rhythm. The problem we have is because we're, we're so, you know, and, and rightfully so because they're a team we cover, we're picking apart all the mistakes and because the mistakes be, continue to be a trend. That's why we're worried. I don't think it's going to turn into they're missing the playoffs. It's remarkably hard to miss the playoffs in major league soccer. Nine teams get in. Like they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. They're going to make the playoffs. That's just, that's just a stupid rule in the first place. And it's best of three. And we'll, we will gladly revisit that in September and October um, when we've watched 50 plus games of soccer <laughs> with the Philadelphia Union. But none of these gaps seem insurmountable. And how many times have you seen it in, in MLS where teams get off to fast starts and then they drop, or teams get off to slow starts and they trend upwards in the summer? Like, I think I mentioned the Galaxy and the Seattle Sounders as the biggest examples of that in previous podcasts. Like, that will happen. But I understand the concern of, like, can this happen? It can. There are signs of that. Defensively, there have been signs of it. And then offensively, the, the comeback from down 2-2 actually is, is a huge, huge um, sign of promise with the union that, that it can be turned around. And so my concern level is probably at a three or a four. It's probably a lot lower than a lot of people out there. But when I when I do blow it up into MLS perspective, it really isn't that bad, and it, and the concern level goes even further down if you beat Toronto and finally string together positive results within league play. And I'm thinking they do that. So you asked for some questions on Twitter, and Joe, there was really only one question that seemed to be asked over and over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Where's Perea and Torres? Well, they're here physically. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're here. Um it's interesting, right? Because it, it kind of brings up a uh, brings up the the rotation question that we've had for and how long have we had this one? Uh, this 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 feels like it's trending towards the Jack McGlynn Quinn Sullivan territory of last year, um, which, if you remember, was just the same thing over and over again. And understanding why Jim Kurt would play these guys, um, pretty thing's interesting because I, I actually. In the time he's been on the field, he's been fantastic. And in certain games, he's been the best player. Um, Torres, I get because you're in that middle ground. Because um, Gazdag is is your 10. And I, I understand the approach to the Chicago game. Like they wanted to to find some consistency with that lineup. And they did look, slu- did look sluggish for the first uh, 45 minutes, but they got the job done. So they, that is, again, kind of the, not get the job done, but they they produced something out of that game. So I think the the, the Gosdike thing runs into 
what we talked about in, in previous years where the guy in, in front of Torres is playing really well. Like if, if you were to rank the attackers on, on how they've, they've played so far, one Carranza, two Gazda, like three, ooh, I think everybody would, would say that. And I think we're getting a little too hung up on the, the Gazdag goals. I really do. Yeah, I think he's doing fine. Would you rather him just have no confidence, carry over from last year, and him miss these penalties? Like, I, I don't I, – I, I get it to an extent. Like, I get it why, like, oh, yeah, he he's only scored penalties this season. You know, why is he not scoring from – open play well because he's creating a lot of these chances you know he's he's got i think it's five assists like because he's distributing he's not playing he's not or he's not shooting the final ball because he's playing the final ball or he he's playing that role of creator and being a little too unselfish at times i'll be honest like there's a lot of things you can throw at the the union right now that are, are critical and i would agree with you the main thing in the attack is, is who has got a score. I get that. Like I, I can sit here and tell you who is in, in all the right places and all the right times, but at the end of the day, strikers are judged by goals. And if over, you know, X amount of games, he doesn't score. Yes. It becomes an issue. I understand that criticism, but when you're criticizing a guy for, for scoring goals, I don't care how they come. He's scoring. He could be missing these. We we the union could not have a designated penalty taker. Like they've had in pretty much every season before Daniel Gazdag arrived. Like and Gazdag is really good at it. Like, like he, really yeah. good. <laughs> and I get it. Like the 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 MLS Cup penalty is is still stuck in everybody's minds or whatever. It, it could have been stuck in his mind too. I think it was great that you know first game of the season knocked one in. It was huge, huge for the player to to get that off his back and not have it linger over him throughout the season. And man, he was the catalyst of, of that attack. Like uh, he's, he's setting up goals. I get it. If you want to say maybe he's not taking enough shots, but man, if there's not, if there's one guy that I don't think deserves a lot of criticism right now, it's Gosdeck. Like he, he is doing everything possible and he's involved in the majority of these goals. Like it's a stat. I get it. Some people will, We'll latch on to it, and and I, I've gotten a few replies about that. I think it's just, honestly, kind of just circumstantial. I, I um, really do. And I, I know I know we've gotten away from the the Perea Torres thing, but that yes. I kind of wanted. I kind <laughs> I kind of wanted to write on that because I think that's I think it's a little silly that people are wasting their time complaining about a guy who's been top three. In terms of consistency this year, maybe top four, you know, five, at least top five on this team in terms of consistency. The, the Perea Torres thing, it comes down to like, I, I think we know Perea is the long term replacement for Alejandro Bedoya. I, I feel like we've nailed that one down because of, of where he's played, uh, where he's going to play. So I, I think it just comes down to something as simple as what we've talked about in previous years where the guys in front of them in these designated positions. Now I think Correa should be playing more than just the right side of midfield, but if that's where the club sees him and Bedoya is still giving this max effort 
and do and, and doing everything that he does to the team. I understand that, but he's got to come off the bench at some point, right? Like that, like, where's the role for him off the bench and how does that improve? So I think the answer to that, we can look back into to previous seasons and what, and what Jim Curtin has done, uh, where he is to a fault loyal to his own guys in the starting 11. Um, and, and I think that that plays a role. I'd be, I would be more concerned right now that Perea is not getting time than Torres, because if they see Torres as that, that backup 10, he'll, he'll eventually get time when they rotate in and, and when they need attacking subs, but what Perea's fit is like, is he an additional tacker? Is he a closer off the bench defensively? What exactly his role is, I think still needs to be pinpointed. And uh, that's the, the worry I have that he may, he may just get lost in the shuffle because we do, you know, we see the flock McGlynn thing. We see Quinn Sullivan making an impact and earning more minutes. Torres as your second attacking sub. So when it comes to to game planning, like what is Andres Perea's role? I think that's very important to define. Is he is he just a two you know a two way guy and he's going to be able to to help both ways? Is he more of a defensive minded guy? And if so, can he can he earn minutes over? You know, whoever doesn't start on the left side or Bueno or uh, a third center back, how does he compare there? Or how does he compare to the other attackers? So I think it comes down to where is he in the pecking order and which spot of uh, on the field and, and what role he, he finds. And maybe the union haven't identified that yet. That's fine. It's, it's still early in the season, but he does need to play a role at some point. Very quick, your preview for this upcoming matchup against Toronto. They should they should win, like they will keeping win. it. I'm guaranteeing it. They will win. <laughs> oh, you're being that guy. Yeah, I'm gonna be that guy, Joe. I'm gonna be that guy. <laughs> They're gonna win. Um, I think they should be able to handle Toronto FC. Uh, look, Toronto's got like like we said earlier. They got two really good playmakers, and and Bredeski and you know, and Senior came off the bench, so I expect him to play a bigger role this week, but. Uh, the union do have a history of, of shutting down some of these top tier attackers and, and really frustrating them. And if you're able to do that um, and play at a high level, not make mistakes like Blesnes and, and Elliot have done at home, um, I think it's important. And, and just real quick, Kai Wagner's 100% healthy. Damian Lowe, 100% healthy. Uh, Baizo got um, a hope to have him back in trading on Thursday, recording this Wednesday. Um, he had some hamstring soreness. And Leon Flock, with what sounds like a really painful injury to manage, he's got like a pelvic injury. Um, he got an injection for that on Monday. They hope to have him in training on Thursday. That's the update we got from Jim Curtin uh, earlier this afternoon. But yeah, that Flock injury just sounds, it sounds painful. I would not want that. No, no, I would not want that. I would not want any injury, Joe. Any injury sounds pretty good. I, w- I would I would prefer a clean bill of health over injuries. Yes, yeah, that's, yeah. that's very obvious. I prefer to be an injury-free kind of guy. You know? But if if I were to rank injuries, um, I would take a sprained ankle or like a, a bruised shoulder over something in the pelvic region. <laughs> All right. You may be, Joe, you may be making a point there. Uh, a pretty good one. 
Uh, all right. So obvious. We'll, we'll wrap things up there for the union soccer podcast. Again, union soccer blog.substack.com. Go subscribe, Joe. What do we have coming up this week on the blog? Uh, yeah. Stay tuned. Maybe a little with, uh, with Quinn Sullivan, uh, hey. Nate Harriel. I'll be down at training, uh, tomorrow. We're talking to you on Wednesday. So, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about some, some roles and positions off the bench and, uh, yeah, stay tuned. And then, I brought back my MLS player rankings from from the dead. Uh, no union players on this week, but it's it's, it's this complicated thing of like you watch enough MLS, but then you're not watching enough MLS. You know, and, and numbers can um, numbers can deceive you sometimes. So took some time to go through all the the highlights and, and review film, and did more of a MLS centric piece. But yeah, some some fun union stuff coming up uh, the end of this week for sure. Go check it out, unionsoccerblog.substack.com. You can also follow Joe at jtanzi90. And you can check out the Union Soccer Podcast everywhere you get your podcast, Apple Podcast, uh, Spotify, wherever you get it, it is there for you to consume. My name is John Jansen. Follow me at jjansen34. We'll be back for more next time right here on the Union Soccer Podcast.